Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Tonight we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 5, and I just hope to uh, bring an encouraging message for us tonight. And I want to encourage you to keep your Bible ready and open. We'll uh, refer back to these verses often. But I want to bring a message tonight that I'm just simply calling this, too little, too great. Too little, too great from 2 Kings chapter number 5. And we'll start reading in verse number 1. The Bible says this, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man. Would everybody say great? Great. Uh, he was a great man. So, so the Bible tells us that this was a prominent figure. He was a great man uh, with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man and uh, in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife, and she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And so no doubt this is a familiar story for us tonight, but I want us to pay attention to uh, verse number 1 and verse number 2, where the Bible says there was a great man. And then in verse number 2, we are introduced to a little maid. To two completely different uh, uh, characters that are introduced in this biblical narrative. And I want to speak to this subject, too little too great. And let's have a word of prayer tonight. We'll jump right in. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here. God, there's so many places we could be on a Sunday night, but I can't think of a better one to uh, come together and to gather around your word and uh, to study your word. God, thank you for the promises found in this book. God, thank you that this is a more sure word of prophecy. God, thank you that your word does not return void. And so tonight I pray that we can be encouraged from our time together. And we can, uh, we can grow uh, from Scripture tonight. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, my wife Katie and I, we're blessed to have three uh, unique children and uh, three beautiful children. And uh, my oldest daughter is uh, six years old. Her name is Liv. And uh, she's got a great personality. I have a son named Luke. And my youngest daughter is named Blakely. And she is the feisty one in our family. She knows what she wants and uh, she's going to get what she wants. And uh, just this last week, we were getting family pictures. And uh, how many of you know that family pictures can be a stressful endeavor? Anybody uh, realize that? Yeah. And so uh, we were getting ready to have family pictures. And uh, it was amazing to see on Family Picture Day the completely different personalities amongst my children. And uh, uh, my daughter Liv was excited to take pictures. She was posing. She was smiling. She was just having the time of her life. But my youngest daughter, Blakely, uh, who's three years old, she was having nothing to do with it. And uh, she did not want to smile. She did not want to be there. And, uh, and uh, we were, uh, every time she did smile, it was simply the result of some intense parent child negotiation. You know, Blakely, you need to smile right now. And at first, as a parent, you start out strong and you say, Blakely, uh, you know, smile. But at the end of that day, I was saying, I will give you whatever you want in the world if you will just smile right now. You know, I had to cave in uh, trying to get a smile. But uh, it was uh, funny to see and interesting to see the completely different personalities uh, of our own children. And we come to 2 Kings chapter 5 tonight, and we see this juxtaposition, this this, this stark contrast of characters with uh, Naaman, the captain of the Syrian army, this great man, and then a little maid. 
One man was a man of prominence, significance, importance, uh, a man of stature. And then we're introduced to a little maid who's unnamed, who is a servant girl, who could seemingly be uh, insignificant in the eyes of uh, the world. Uh, but I want you to know tonight that uh, God wants to use uh, people from all different backgrounds and all different categories for his divine purpose. And it really doesn't matter if you uh, are great in your own eyes or little in the eyes of the world. Hey, God wants to use you uh, for his glory. And uh, the Bible says that we are created uniquely. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, I love what Psalm 139 says. Uh, you were formed in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And so we, we, we see that uh, in these verses there is this stark uh, contrast of characters, but God is going to use them both in a powerful and mighty way. And I just want to encourage you tonight that it really doesn't matter what kind of background you come from or what tax bracket you might be in or what side of the tracks you're from. It really doesn't matter about uh, an educational uh, status. Uh, if your heart is surrendered before the Lord, He can use you in a great and powerful way. And we see that both in verse number one and in verse number two. And so uh, we look to this uh, text tonight, and uh, uh, we come to uh, learn this powerful story in the life of Elisha. Uh, Elisha was God's prophet. He was, uh, I like to call Elisha the master of momentum because he was constantly doing miracles, performed twice the amount of miracles as Elijah did. And so Elisha uh, was a man of God who was constantly uh, moving forward. And uh, the last uh, couple of chapters, if you read Right before chapter 5, Elisha was ministering in a season of obscurity. It was a season of famine and a kind of behind the scenes. Well, now in chapter 5, uh, he's, a, uh, he's about to be brought to the spotlight once again because he's going to have this interaction with uh, Naaman, a very powerful man. And notice verse number 1, it says this, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a, a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance uh, unto Syria. And now that's an interesting phrase that the Lord had by him given uh, deliverance unto Syria, that, that the Lord was the one prospering him. And the reason that's an interesting phrase is because Naaman was not yet a true worshiper of God. Uh, Naaman was not a worshiper of Yahweh, the one true God. Uh, uh, Naaman was just a man of the world. He wasn't a Christian, so to speak, but yet God uh, was still using his life. And I find this encouraging because it really doesn't matter who is in a position of prominence or especially during an election season. It really doesn't matter who is in political office because our God is still on the throne and he is still in control and he can use whomever he pleases. And so we see God's sovereignty at play here in verse number one. Naaman was a great man and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man. Uh, in valor. Naaman was uh, a great military leader. He was uh, elite status. He was the Navy SEAL. He was the, uh, the great uh, army ranger. He was someone that had gone through some intense training and made it to the top of his class. And he was uh, this, in this position of prominence. But then there's this phrase at the end of verse number one that says this, but he was a leper. Now in the Hebrew, uh, it, it omits those words, but he was. And so there's this sudden interjection, name and a mighty man of valor, and then it just says, a leper. And, and such a sudden interjection emphasizes that even though Naaman had all of these wonderful qualities, they were negated by the fact that he had leprosy. And if you've grown up uh, around church or studied the Bible, you know that leprosy was a terrible disease. You had to shout unclean before you could enter into a village. It was an isolating disease. You had to quarantine. You couldn't uh, come into close contact with other people. And so even though Naaman 
was this powerful, mighty man of valor and, and this great captain, it all was overshadowed by the fact that he had this terrible disease of leprosy. And so really chapter 5 of 2 Kings is really a chapter about suffering. It's a chapter about struggle. But ultimately, I believe it's a chapter about God's sovereignty, that, that God's in control and that he had a plan for Naaman. He had a plan for this little maid. And that's what I want to talk about just for a few minutes. And if you'd like to jot some things down or take notes tonight, I'm just going to give three simple uh, points uh, tonight that hopefully can be an encouragement to you. But I want you to see uh, number one tonight, uh, three uh, reminders about God's plan for your life. Number one tonight, God has uniquely positioned you for a purpose. God has uniquely positioned you for a purpose. Wherever God has you right now, whatever position you find yourself in, God has uniquely placed you there for such a time as this uh, for a specific purpose. And this is what we see uh, about this little maid that we're introduced to in verse number two. Uh, notice what it says in verse two. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And so we're introduced to this little maid. And I want you to notice a couple of things about her. First of all, I want you to notice her captivity. Uh, now, we know that the uh, Syrians, they would go in and they would attack the border cities of Israel. And uh, they, would do so to, um, they would do so to take money and to steal money and to uh, kidnap the children to come and to be their slaves. And anyone that got in their way, they would kill, they would, they would murder them. And so this little girl was taken away from her family. She was kidnapped from her home, from everything that she knew, much like uh, Daniel uh, in the book of Daniel, taken away from everything that she knew and was now captive uh, to uh, this foreign land under the leadership of Naaman. I was reading uh, just this past week, maybe you saw on the news that there was a story about um, an attempted kidnapping in Vista, California, that someone tried to kidnap a child in the Costco parking lot. And I don't know about you, but when I hear that story, I'm like, man, I want to watch out for my kids a little bit more closely. And I'm thinking, what kind of world are we living in? In broad daylight, someone tried to kidnap a child in the Costco parking lot. And the thought of someone trying to hurt my child infuriates me. I don't want anyone to hurt my child, but that's exactly what happens to this little girl. Most commentators believe she was perhaps 12 years old, uh, taken from her friends, taken from her family. Perhaps many of the people that she knew and loved were killed in the process. And it's easy to look at a story like this, and it's easy to look at a verse like this and think, that's not fair. Why would a good God, why would a loving God allow this to happen? That her situation is just completely not fair. She didn't do anything wrong. But I want you to know tonight that God had uniquely positioned her for a purpose. That God had a great plan for her life. And this little maid, this unnamed servant girl, was about to impact uh, one of the most powerful men in that nation and ultimately affect the entire nation because of her testimony. And God had a specific and unique plan for her life. And I just want to encourage you, no matter what your circumstances might be today, God has a unique plan for your life and a purpose in your situation. And so this is what we see uh, in the life of this girl. I love what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. But as for you, I read this same verse in our church service this morning because it was our first uh, service in a brand new building. And I was talking about how 2020 has brought a lot of difficult uh, things in our lives. There's virus and riots and fires and, and uh, political turmoil and economic instability and all these things going on in our world. And I read this verse and it says, but as for you, you thought evil against me. Joseph speaking to his brothers. But God meant it unto good. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? 
hey, that what 2020 meant for evil and what the devil meant for evil, God can use for good. And he has a purpose in every situation, just like in the life of this little girl. So we see her captivity, but I want you to see, secondly, also her childhood. Now, verse number three gives us an indicator as to the kind of upbringing that this little girl had. Notice it in verse three. It says this, And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria? For he would recover him of his leprosy. One day she speaks up and she says, Man, I wish Naaman knew about the prophet that's in Samaria. Well, who's she talking about? Elisha, uh, God's prophet. She says, I wish, I wish Naaman knew about Elisha because Elisha could uh, bring healing to his life. Now, how did she know that? If she was perhaps 12 years old, how did she know about God's prophet Elisha? Well, somewhere along the way, she either had some parents or some teachers or someone that loved her enough to invest into her life and to teach to her the words of God and to uh, explain unto her the way uh, in which the true God should be worshipped. And somewhere along the way, she had someone that was training and investing into her life. And so she knew all about God's man. She knew about Elisha even at a young age. Uh, She had far more valuable wisdom and insight than anyone in Syria. In fact, uh, uh, I love what the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 98. Uh, Thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients. The psalmist could say, I understand, I have more understanding and more wisdom than people that are much older than me. How? Uh, Because I have kept thy precepts. See, real wisdom is not found in the philosophy of the world. Real wisdom is found in the word of God. And so this little maid, even though she was 12 years old, she had far more wisdom than many people uh, that were much older than her because she knew about God's prophet who would speak God's word. And so God's wisdom and wisdom in life is always connected to to the word of God. And I just want to remind you tonight, it's no surprise to us that the devil has an all-out attack and assault on the family today. I mean, we see things all the time on the news. We hear about Netflix and the show Cuties, the exploitation of young uh, girls. And we see this, and just make no mistake about it, and make no mistake about it, the devil wants nothing more than to rip apart and to destroy the family. And so as parents and leaders and teachers, we have to recognize there's a great responsibility to train up the next generation and and to invest into the next generation. Ephesians 6, 4 says, any fathers... Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And someone, uh, somewhere along the way, did this in the life of this little girl. And and so they trained her, they developed her so she uh, could uh, uh, prosper in a time of uncertainty. And she was able to rise to the occasion because of her upbringing. And so we see her captivity, we see her childhood, but I want you to see also her compassion. Notice it in verse number three. And she said unto her mistress, would God... That statement elicits emotion. Would God, she was emotional about this. Would God, I wish God would intervene. Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria. Now, to me, that's probably the most amazing statement in this whole narrative. Because she doesn't say, would God, I wish I was in Samaria with the prophet. Because if I was in her shoes, that's probably what I would have said. Would God, I wish I was back with my family in Samaria. I wish I was back with Elisha, God's uh, prophet. I wish I could be there. But she says, would God that my Lord Naaman were with the prophet that is in Samaria. If anyone had a right to be bitter and angry towards Naaman, it was this little girl. If anyone had the right to be upset or to be frustrated, it was this little girl. In fact, she could have said, I hope Naaman's leprosy gets worse. 
After what he did to me, coming into my uh, house and taking me away, kidnapping me and hurting the ones that I love, and he's brought me away to be a servant girl, I, I hope his leprosy gets much worse. That's maybe how we would have felt if we were in her position. But she says, well, God, I wish, I wish my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria. I, I wish he could experience uh, healing. And what we see is a beautiful example of forgiveness and compassion. The Bible says in Mark eleven twenty five, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. F.B. Meyer, he said this, as we pour out bitterness, God pours in his peace. And so often the reason we're not experiencing the peace of God is because we haven't yet poured out bitterness or we're holding on to resentment, which is a self-contaminating disease, and we're holding on to bitterness, we're holding on to frustration, and so we're not experiencing the peace that God wants to give us. And this little girl decided that she was going to show compassion. And she says, I wish that Naaman uh, could experience the healing that I know Elisha could bring. And, and so what we learn is compassion is not contingent upon circumstances. And we need uh, this evening more than ever more followers of Jesus that would uh, speak up and realize that we have something to say just like this little girl. Uh, this little girl knew where the hope was. <laughs> She knew where healing could be found. She knew where the good news was. It was with God's man and God's word in the prophet Elisha. And she spoke up and she said, hey, I know who can help you. And I know who can lead you in the right direction. And so she spoke up. And tonight I just want to remind you that we as the church have something to say. Just like that little girl, we ought to speak up and say, hey, I know the world's a mess right now. I know people are filled with anxiety. I know people are hurting, but we know where the hope is. We know where healing is found. Healing is found in Jesus Christ. And so just like this little girl spoke up, we have to speak up. And we have to be willing to share our faith. And so what we see is that God uniquely positioned her for a purpose. What was her purpose? To be an evangelist. What was her purpose? To share the good news. And, and I just want to remind you, the Bible says that we are to go and to preach the gospel to every creature. We are commanded as well to share the good news, we have something to say just like this little girl. And so God has uniquely positioned us for a purpose. But uh, notice how uh, this uh, narrative continues in 2 Kings 5. Notice verse number 4. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is uh, in the land of Israel. And, and so someone goes and tells Naaman and says, Hey, this is what the little maid said. And uh, verse 5. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go. And I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. Uh, some say that, that could have been worth millions of dollars uh, 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 that he was trying to buy his healing. By the way, you can't buy uh, spiritual healing. No amount of money can bring you salvation. Salvation is only by the grace of God. And uh, they're coming and they're bringing this, this great uh, gift. Verse number six. Now watch this. Verse number six. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel. Brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, now uh, when this letter is when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman, uh, Naaman, my servant, to thee, that thou, the king of Israel, perhaps Jehoram, which we read about in 2 Kings chapter 3, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. Now, there's a problem here in verse number 6, because who did the little maid say could bring healing to Naaman? Elisha, God's prophet. Now, who does the king of Syria go to with this letter? The king of Israel. He went to the wrong person. See, God's prophet can bring hope and God's prophet could bring healing because God's prophet could communicate God's truth. But the king of Syria decided that he was going to go to the king of Israel for hope 
and to go to the king of Israel for answers, and he went to the wrong person. Can I just remind you tonight that so many people today are searching for hope, they're searching for answers, and they're going to all the wrong sources. They're going to all the wrong places to try to find encouragement, to try to find answers. They're trying to find uh, conviction. They're trying to find hope in the media and on the internet and all, all kinds of places. But when we need answers, when we need truth, when we want to find purpose and fulfillment in life, we need to look no further than the word of God. And so what we see is that he goes and he's asking, the king of Israel, he's asking the wrong person. He should have gone to Elisha, the prophet, who could speak the word of God, but he goes to the wrong person. Notice verse 7. And it came to pass when the king of Israel, Jehoram, had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God? He says, I can't do this. He thinks I'm supposed to heal him. I can't heal him. I can't do this. He says, I'm not God to kill and to make alive, that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy. Wherefore, consider... I pray you and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. So Jehoram, he doesn't understand what's going on. He just gets confused. And he says, man, the king of Syria, he's just trying to pick a fight against me. Why is he sending me this captain of the army, this man Naaman, to be healed of his leprosy? He knows I can't do that. He must be trying to pick a fight. And he misses the point and misses the purpose. And so we see that God has uniquely positioned us for a purpose. But I want you to see this brings us to our second thought tonight. We must be humbled before we can be healed. We must be humbled before we can be healed. And we see this in verse number 8. It says this, And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him now uh, come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Elisha hears about this, and he says, Hey, he went to the wrong person. He should have come uh, to me, and I could have helped him. Verse number 9. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. So you have to picture the scene with me for a moment. Uh, Naaman, very powerful man, shows up at Elisha's doorstep with all his entourage, with all his chariots, and with all the people that were with him. And he shows up and he knocks on Elisha's door. And uh, watch how Elisha responds uh, here to Naaman in verse number 10. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him. Elisha doesn't even answer the door. Uh, Naaman comes, comes knocking, and uh, Elisha doesn't even go to the door. He, he just sends a messenger to him, and the messenger goes and says, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. And so we see Elisha doesn't even go out to meet him. Now, that would have been, that would have been frustrating for Naaman. He would have taken that as a, as a sign of disrespect. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a man of prominence and position and power, and Elisha's not even going to come and meet me at the door. He would have been disrespected by this. But Elisha knew something. He knew that Naaman had to be humbled before he could be healed. He knew that if Naaman was going to experience this, this miraculous healing in his life and to heal him from this leprosy, this terrible disease, that he first had to be humbled. And so he goes and he tells him, wash in the Jordan River seven times. And uh, Naaman was a military man. No doubt he had a nice uniform. No doubt he had some military armor. And if he was going to go and and, and dip himself in the Jordan seven times, he would have had to remove that uniform, remove that armor. And I think there's a spiritual application here, and that is that uh, if we are going to experience spiritual healing, we have to be willing to remove our armor. Because so often the reason why we don't experience healing is because we have our guard up, we have our defenses up, and uh, we don't like to receive correction. We don't like when someone speaks life into us, and so we put our guard on, we put our armor up. But if you're going to experience healing, you have to be willing to remove that armor. And so, so Elisha is teaching this principle that he's, bringing, he's trying to bring humility to the life of, of Naaman. But I want you to see Naaman completely rejects this plan. Notice verse number 11. But Naaman was wroth. He's angry. And he went away and said, Behold, I thought. Now, if you like to mark in your Bible or underline, I would underline those two words because we'll come back to them. But he says, I thought 
he will surely come out to meet me. Naaman was like, I thought for sure Elisha would come out to meet me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. And so I don't know what Naaman was expecting, but he was expecting some sort of show, right? Like Elisha better come and wave his hand and do a magic wand and voila, I'm going to be healed of my leprosy. He said, surely I thought Elisha was going to do something impressive like that. But then verse number 12, he says, Are not Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? He said, And if I'm going to dip in water, why would I go and dip in the dirty Jordan River? There's much better uh, rivers that we could do this process. And so he's completely offended uh, by this whole plan. He says, May I not wash in them at the end of verse number 12 and be clean? So he turned away and went into a rage. And so we see this, this rejection. This didn't make any sense to name it. He did not want to submit to Elisha's plan. But I just want to encourage you tonight that if submission is beneath you, then healing is beyond you. That, that if you're not willing to submit to God's plan, then you're not going to experience the spiritual victory that God wants you to experience in life. So Naaman was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to go and dip in the dirty Jordan River. I'm not going to have anything to do with this. The Bible says in James 4, but he gives more grace. Aren't you thankful tonight that he gives more grace he gives more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What, what Naaman wanted was a show. What he needed was submission. He wanted to have some great experience. What he needed was just a heart of humility to submit to the plan of God. And so he rejected it. And then, then that led him into a rage. It says in verse, at the end of verse number 12 that he went away in a rage. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. My kids like to watch this YouTube uh, group called Dude Perfect, and uh, they like to do all these trick shots, and, and, uh, and uh, they do a lot of fun videos. And uh, there's this one video that they do on Dude Perfect uh, that they call stereotypes, and they just kind of make fun of different stereotypes. And one of the stereotypes that, that they do is called the Rage Monster. Is any, has anybody ever seen Dude Perfect in here tonight? Okay, so you guys know what I'm talking about, the Rage Monster. And... Uh, They'll go and they'll just break random things and he's really upset. And whenever my kids watch that, they're always like stunned. Like, I can't believe he's breaking that. And why would they, why would they do that? You know, the sad reality is, is we're living in a world filled with people that are just in full-on anger and they're outraged at what's going on. And they're just angry all the time, not, not exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit, but that they're just content living in, in rage. And we see it all the time in the news. We see it all the time uh, in our country. In fact, I read an article recently that caught my attention because the title, the headline was this, Americans are living in an anger incubator. That, that Americans are just angry. And we can't even come to the point where we can uh, respectfully disagree with someone without getting angry and getting infuriated. And here we see Naaman, he's just in a rage. But as Christians, it doesn't have to be that way. Because the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit has the power and the ability to transform us from the inside out. Galatians says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. And so uh, we see that Naaman goes away in a rage. And by the way, sometimes people will say, well, that's just my personality. I just got a hot temper and you just kind of have to deal with it. You know, Charles Spurgeon, he said this, do not say I cannot help having a bad temper. Friend, you must help it. Pray to God to help you overcome it at once for either you must kill it or it will kill you. He says, you've got to get it under control. And the only way that you can really get it under control is not by trying harder. It's not by trying harder in your own flesh, just being really strong about it. The only way that you can get victory is by being filled with the Holy Spirit of God and let the fruit of the Spirit flow uh, from your life. And so uh, Naaman was learning that he had to be humbled before he can be healed. And so we learned tonight, number one, God has uniquely positioned us and placed us for a purpose. 
We learn that we must be humbled before we can be healed. And this leads us to our last and final thought tonight, number three. God is not confined to human thinking. We have to remember that God is not confined to human thinking. And I don't know about you, but I find encouragement in that, in that, that his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. Romans 11 says this, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor? His ways are not our ways. Now, a moment, a moment ago, I told you to pay attention to verse number 11 where it says, uh, Naaman said, Behold, I thought. He said, I thought. I thought this was how it was going to go, but God had different plans. Uh, I want you to know that expectation is often the enemy of forward progress. So often when we have an expectation of how we think things should go, that expectation will only lead to frustration. We all had expectations of how 2020 was supposed to go. 2020 vision. Here we go. We, we, we had a thought. We, we thought we knew how it was going to go. But God had different plans. And so we see Naaman, he says, I, I thought this was how it was going to go. But notice verse 15, 14. It says, then he went down and he dipped himself seven times in Jordan. So uh, actually back to verse number 13. And his servant came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid uh, thee to come and do some great thing. So his servant starts speaking some sense into him. And he says, hey, if Elisha asked you to do some big, magnificent thing, you probably would have done it. So maybe just go ahead and try to submit to what he said to do. And so he says, if he asked you to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than uh, when he saith unto thee, wash and be clean. Verse 14. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan and dipped himself, uh, dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And so he experiences this miracle now. He is cleansed. He's no more uh, experiencing this terrible uh, disease of leprosy that we know as Hansen's disease. He, his skin was no longer white as snow, as verse number 27 says. He's now experienced the cleansing uh, through uh, God's power. Now, I find it interesting that Elisha, God's prophet, is only mentioned one time in the New Testament. And if you study Elijah, the one that came before Elisha, uh, he's mentioned dozens of, uh, over a dozen times in the New Testament, uh, constantly in the New Testament. But Elisha is only mentioned once. And the only time Elisha is mentioned in the New Testament is a reference that Jesus is making to this particular story. It says this in Luke chapter 4, verse number 27. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of uh, Elisaeus the prophet, Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed saving Naaman the Syrian. And so what I want you to see tonight is that this cleansing was far more than a physical cleansing. Jesus used this story, he used this narrative about Naaman to point ahead to spiritual healing, uh, to point ahead to salvation. And what we see is a beautiful picture here of salvation. Throughout scripture, we see that leprosy is a picture of sin. And because of leprosy, we're, we're separated from the group. You had to shout unclean anytime you walked into the village. And the same is true with sin. The Bible says, in the book of Isaiah, that because of our iniquities, we've been separated from God. Sin always brings separation. But I love 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The great exchange where the righteousness of God was placed on our account at the moment of salvation. We were justified. We were declared righteous uh, before a holy God. And I'm thankful tonight that we can uh, know for sure that we have a home in heaven based on the saving work of Jesus 
Christ in that moment of justification. And so we see that this healing, this physical healing of Naaman goes beyond a physical healing. And what we see is a picture of spiritual healing. And so this cleansing now leads us to clarity. And this is the last verse that we'll look at, verse number 15. It says this, And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company. So he shows back up with all his entourage, all his, all his friends. And he came and he stood before him and he said, Behold, now I know. Now he had a little bit of clarity. Remember back in verse 11? I thought, I thought this was how it was going to go. He had some expectations. Now in verse 15, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. Now he has some clarity. By the way, you and I can have the same clarity tonight. I love 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And so now we see that he has clarity. And I believe that real spiritual maturity comes when, when you can accept the fact that when things go differently than you thought, but you can say, I'm okay with that because God's in control. Hey, it's different than I thought. This isn't being played out how I thought it was going to go, but I recognize that God's in control and he's going to bring the clarity that I want. See, see now it's like we're, we're looking through a glass uh, dimly, but then one day we will see face to face. And we'll have the clarity that we so desperately um, long for. And so we see this uh, powerful example of spiritual healing in the life of Naaman. And this one story that Elisha has mentioned in the, in the New Testament was really the result of one little maid. Because this little girl, who was perhaps 12 years old, decided that she was not going to be bitter. She was not going to complain about her circumstances and get upset at everybody else around her. But she was going to trust God. Because of that, God used her in a powerful way. He had a great purpose for her life. Ultimately, she made an impact on eternity because she had the right spirit. I want to encourage you tonight. Never underestimate the power of one invitation. Never underestimate the power of one word of encouragement. You never know how you can alter someone's life, how you can lift someone's spirit. You might say, well, it's, I'm, not, I'm not in a position of prominence. No one really, uh, I don't really have a lot of influence. No, use and steward whatever influence God has given you for good. It doesn't matter if you're in a position like Naaman, a great position. It doesn't matter if you're in a seemingly insignificant position like, uh, like this little maid. God wants to use us all tonight for a purpose, for his glory. No one is too little. No one is to be too great to be used by God. And so tonight, I just want to encourage you, submit to God's plan and watch him work in your life. Hey, God has uniquely positioned you for a purpose. Uh, we, have to, we have to come to a place of humility before we can experience healing. And we have to remember that God is not confined to human thinking. And so uh, his ways are not our ways. And when we think something should go a certain way, uh, only God can give us the clarity that we so desperately desire. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.